And welcome back to Bandora's Palace, a tokusatsu podcast home to monsters in rubber suits, heroes in full body spandex, and giant robots made of other smaller giant robots. I'm Steven. And I'm Pat. And we will be your guides into the campy and awesome world of tokusatsu. Today, we will be returning to overly complex plots to kill large groups of children in Kyoru Sentai Zeo Ranger. Now, Today's episode, you guys, is Terror Eaten in an Instant, or Kyofu Shunkan Kui. Uh, it was written originally by, not originally, it was written, only written once, uh, by Noboru uh, Sujimura, and it was directed by Shohei Tojo. Uh, this episode originally aired, that it's done more than once, but it aired the first time on April 17th, 1992. Now, Pat, buddy, pal, it seems like overall... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is pretty much following ZU Ranger one-to-one in terms of footage use and monster order of their episodes. So between that and the title, this feels like it's the the Pudgy Pig episode. Like this feels like Pudgy Pig to me. What would you like to see in this episode? Is there any possible way for you that this ZU Ranger episode comes out better than Food Fight? Well, I mean, it's it's conceivable that this episode can top Food Fight. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's not possible, but it's it's got a a high bar to surpass. Yeah, those are those are big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like I feel like this episode is gonna kind of continue the uh, the spotlight. Like last last episode was a Dan spotlight, so. You know, I, I think it's probably in line to kind of go through and spotlight each ranger in, in some sort of order. So that's where I'm leaning. That definitely seems possible. Plausible, even. Plausible. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like thus far in ZU Ranger, we have gotten like a very serious and narrative heavy show. But at the end of the day, like Power Rangers didn't invent all of the silliness of Power Rangers. Like that is very much something that exists in the source material as well. It is a children's show for a reason after all. And we definitely got some of that in the last episode, but like food fight is madness in a bottle. And I just want, I want this episode of Z Ranger to be even half as crazy. So hopefully we luck out and, and we get, uh, we, we get some goofs. <laughs> I, I'm hoping so. That said, as always, this episode and the entirety of Kiaru Sentai Z Ranger, along with a ton of other classic vintage tokusatsu, you want to talk some goofs, 
Let's talk some goofs in Car Ranger, which is also available in its entirety streaming for free on Shout Factory TV. Um, so is Mega Ranger and, uh, Die Ranger and a bunch of Ultraman or yeah, one, one season, I think of Ultraman and a bunch of Common Rider. Like there's, there's all sorts of stuff totally free, 100%, no dollars on shoutfactorytv.com. All right, Pat. Well, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Terror eaten in an instant. All right, so we come out of our intro and we open on a group of boys who are chanting up at a tree, fatso, fatso, Minnesota fatso, which... If you were not aware, there is a a famous pool player who was a fat man who was like a, a very famous entertainer in the 60s and 70s who went by the name Minnesota Fats. So we will find out soon that they are not directly calling someone Minnesota Fats, but that has to, that, there's no way that that name is a fucking coincidence. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. I had no idea. It is one hell of a deep cut for a bunch of Japanese kids who are apparently taunting a fat boy, which, spoilers, is 100% what they're doing. There is a fat little boy up this tree who is trying desperately to climb it and rescue his toy airplane. And rather than help him, these boys are taunting him, which is very true to life because children, if you were not aware, are assholes. Children are terrible. <laughs> so boy walks up. Our boy, not another boy. B-O-I boy. Uh, and the mean kids scatter for fear of getting in trouble, which, again, very true to life. Uh, and boy spots the fat kid up at the tree and immediately starts yelling for him to get down before he gets hurt. And the second that boy becomes concerned for his safety, the branch that this fat boy is on immediately breaks and our boy tries to catch him and they both wind up on the ground because kid is fat and boy is small. <laughs> uh, so the mean kids run back into frame to taunt him yet again because they feel safe with this fat child on top of boy before they again run off to safety. So boy helps this child up and is just like, kid, why are they calling you Minnesota Fatso? And the kid tells us that it's a nickname because he was born in Minnesota and he's fat, which I see the through line there. And also I feel like there has got to be like an entire epic tale behind this fat Japanese child from Minnesota, but I don't think we're going to get that story. <laughs> Probably not, but uh, that, that could make a fun filler episode. Absolutely. Um, so Minnesota Fatso proceeds to tell Boy that being called fat actually doesn't bother him. His parents always told him that being fat just means that he's happy, so it shouldn't bother him. And at that, Minnesota Fatso's parents come running up looking for him, and we find out that his, his actual Christian name is Mamaru, and we get our title shot at this point. Um, spoilers, I'm just going to call him Fatso for the whole episode. <laughs> 
And I say this lovingly as a fat man, or at least, at least chubby, if we're being real. Like, I have the dad bod cranked up to 100, but this episode is like 100% centered around this child being fat, and so fatso feels appropriate. Sounds solid to me. So... We leave our title shot and we cut into the interior of a restaurant uh, where Boy is sitting with Mamoru and his parents. And Fatso's parents are grateful to Boy for saving their child from breaking his fat, fat neck. So they have taken him out to eat. And these people are eating. They are going to with gusto. Uh, the table is absolutely covered in food and desserts. And everyone is just taking the train to yummy town. They call a waitress over and order more food, and Boy just sits there slowly eating and, like, wide-eyed, horrified, taking everything in. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> Boy's been asleep for 170 million years. You know how you don't know how they ate back then. Right. Certainly not like this. Uh, we then see this scene from the circular perspective of Bandora's telescope, and we cut back to see that Bookback and Topat are watching Boy from Bandora's palace and squabbling over the telescope. Bandora herself is feeling dizzy and ill. Specifically, in this time, she's not just sick, but after 170 million years of sleep, she overate and gained 10 pounds. So she both is feeling nauseous, and she's putting herself down because she feels fat. And then Bandora... There's no easy way to say this. She grins seductively at Topat, like Cougar grins at him, and asks him if she's pretty. And he fails this test. <laughs> this this is not, this is the first time something in this episode has made me stop and think, this is a sex thing for someone, but it will not be the last. <laughs> <laughs> so Topat stutters and he's just like, well, I'm, I'm not wearing my glasses. So, and like, I was expecting Bandora to do like what Rita Repulsa would do and just viciously beat him down. But Bandora is just like, yeah, see, that's why I need to eat less. Cause even you can see I'm a fat repulsive fuck. And she just moves on. Like, she's just like, good. You have confirmed my bias on with my day. <laughs> and she goes over to her telescope and she shoves book back out of the way and takes a look. So she sees Mamoru and his family who are eating like absolute monsters. And she's immediately nauseous because yeah, like that wouldn't be an easy thing to watch on a queasy stomach. Uh, we then cut back down to the restaurant and Mamoru's explaining that Mamoru's dad is explaining that he works as a greengrocer and it's hard for him to take time off of work because he has to provide the community with food. So he can't take his family on vacation or on trips to amusement parks or any of the other like family stuff. So they decided collectively as a family that while there are some things that they don't get to do, they will always eat together. That, that meal time is family time. So this is apparently where the seeming food fetishism on display comes from. Uh, and Mamoru is just genuinely happy about it. He's just like, lots of my friends don't get to have dinner with their dad. And I do every day. I'm so lucky. And like, it's actually like really sweet and touching. And, and boy thinks so too. And is also just real glad that this is not a sex thing. <laughs> Bandora, on the other hand, does not approve of eating as a form of family bond and immediately starts calling for Pleprechaun. 
Now, I think that this scene is really interesting because this is one of the few scenes that we've seen so far that is almost a one-for-one mirror with its equivalent scene in Power Rangers. Bandora comes in and she's just like, hey, you were working on Dora Cersei the other day. Finish him up. Make him. And much like the Power Rangers episode, Plepricon is just like, no, that's a bad monster. He's in the garbage. We will not be doing that. And Bandora is just like, do it anyway. And again, it's it's basically the same thing. Plepricon complains that Bandora doesn't understand art. Dora Cersei goes into the monstermatic and pops out. And what immediately struck me is that Dora Cersei is Pudgy Pig, obviously. But he has a much deeper voice than Pudgy Pig. This is a man's Pudgy Pig. And Bandora is just immediately horrified by getting what she asked for. She's just like, oh God, that's my monster? And Plepricon hits her with the, well, I told you so. And I, I love their, their relationship, Plepricon and Bandora, just the way they interact with each other. Their dynamic and just in general, Bandora's dynamic with her henchmen in general, I think is very good. Like there's enough of that Rita, I'm the boss and I hate you and will beat you if you're bad. But also like, again, she's not all that. She's a much more like three dimensional character. I like it a lot. Yeah. Very much complex. Yes. Um, Still don't know why she hates children. Hopefully we'll get there. We'll find out one day. So we cut to commercial, and when we return, we see an open-air grocery produce stall. And it's full of customers, but no one is there working. And one of the customers is mystified. She's just like, hey, like, where's the grocer? And another one points to a sign that sa- and says, well, he's at lunch as usual. And yes, this is Mamaru's family's grocery. Um, we cut through the back and into their home. Apparently they have like a, an apartment, like storefront combo thing going on here. And Mamaru is sitting with his dad and his mom and they're prepared to eat a meal. Um, dad says grace and they dig in. Um, Fatso's got a full plate. He reaches for the soy sauce. A giant pig hand reaches up and his food is gone. And we just get this sequence of Dora Cersei sneaking around this table, stealing dishes when no one is looking, and genuinely disrupting the harmony of this very strange family. As one by one, he takes their food from them and makes them suspicious of each other. Um, like, they are all genuinely convinced that my husband, my wife, my son, my mother, my father is taking my food from me. And they get really aggressive about it. They get super aggressive. Like, Dad flips the table. <laughs> yeah, Doris Cersei leaves once all the food is gone, and the family descends into out-and-out chaos. Dad literally flips the table. They are physically fighting, like, punching and kicking each other. Dishes are flying through the grocery and out into the street. All the customers are chased away. It is absolute madness, which feels a little bit extreme because you're convinced that your wife took your hamburger steak. Yeah. I mean, like, I've I've stabbed my siblings for trying to take my food before, but, like, uh, full-on brawl? Yeah. That's a little much. Yeah, I, I am just going to go ahead and, and charitably assume there is also magic afoot. I, and this is not just, like, the, the food horniest family that's ever lived. Um, <laughs> so, now the grocery is empty of people, and Dora Cersei descends and eats all of the food, all the food in the grocery, all the produce, though, at least he's polite. And like, once he's ate it all, he thanks them for the food when he's done. And now we get our first, like really good look at Dora Cersei in like good natural daylight. And 
this is the second time so far that I've looked at a monster and just been like, this monster looks way better in Sentai footage than they do in American footage. And I'm not sure if it's because the costumes get shipped all the way from Japan to America to make that American footage and they're getting older and like they're, they're starting to break down a little bit. I'm not sure if it's even just the fact that like the, the, the people who make the Sentai have been doing it for a long time and are genuinely good at shooting footage of rubber monsters and making them look like real and good. But Dora Cersei looks way better than Pudgy Pig. Like his, the inside of his mouth is a noticeably different color than the rest of him. So he doesn't have that weird thing that Pudgy Pig had going on where it looked like his mouth was just skin flaps. Like, like his face, like is contoured and feels expressive. Like this is a good looking monster in this episode. Yeah. It, it felt like a, a legitimate monster. Like I, I feel like if I ran into that on the street, I wouldn't laugh at it. Yeah. And like, again, like, I think each of these series has things that they do like genuinely better than the other. But I think this is 100%. This is something that at least we have yet to see Power Rangers do better than Sentai. And my gut is that we never will. Sentai is just better at presenting these monsters. And that's not necessarily a bad thing since a lot of the footage Power Rangers uses to present their monsters is the Sentai footage, right? So... But yeah, I, that's just, that's something that I genuinely noticed and thought in this moment. So Bandora starts gloating that their family bonds aren't so tight after all. Pleprechaun's grousing in the background that no one appreciates art, which is the exact polar opposite of fucking Finster just being like, yeah, my bad monster was great, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut that back down to Mamoru, who is now just having a sad walk. He's just walking and sulking beneath the tree of his earlier Minnesota fatso shame. And he sits down on a bench and just has real sad boy minutes for a few minutes until boy, sweet, precious boy, comes into the shot. And dear listener, you might be thinking, well, boy is going to walk up or maybe boy is going to ride up on his cool dino motorcycle. Although I will remind you, boy only has a sidecar that would require Goshi to come riding up on his cool dinosaur motorcycle because boy is only 14 years old and cannot legally drive. But no, this is not boy's chosen method of locomotion. Instead, boy comes onto the shot backflipping doing roughly one million backflips until he reaches the bench where Mamoru is. And it is the most ridiculous thing I think I have ever seen in my life that he's just like, well, I'm just going to backflip to go everywhere I need to go now and just does it. I mean, it looks cool. It's impressive. Does it? It is impressive. A backflip is cool backflipping like to, to, to run your errands to walk down the street i'm not sure that looks cool anymore <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit on the pretentious side a little bit but boy spots mamaru having sad boy time and it's just like whoa mamaru what's going on you look like you've lost a lot of weight which is not something i noticed but this kid also just wears a big sweatshirt and sweatpants so like i'm not sure how boy noticed because he's just wearing a tent but Mamoru just starts crying and just tells Boy, he's like, I'm so hungry. I haven't ate in three days. My pants don't even fit. Like, my family all hates each other. Everything is terrible. And he just grabs Boy around the waist and cries into his shirt as his pants fall down around his ankles, which was entirely unnecessary. We could have done this whole episode without seeing a small boy in his underwear. That would have been preferable. <laughs> but he... 
he mentions he lost 15 pounds in three days. That, yeah. Yeah, again. That's bananas. This can't just be like normal hunger and normal aggression. Like there literally has to be a magical component to this. And because Bandora has presented as such an incredibly magical character, even compared to the witch Rita Repulsa, like it's easy. It is easy to write off a logical inconsistency like this as well. It's magic. Uh, in ways that maybe in, in some parts of Power Rangers, it's not so easy to do. So that's one just kind of cool thing about the world building of, of Z Ranger. Yeah. Yeah. But we do get a quick cut to the family grocery, which is all shut up. It is still entirely empty of food. And Mamaru's parents are just like exhaustedly slumped against opposite counters throwing empty boxes at each other and yelling that they want their food back. <laughs> and like, we only stay there for like a second, but it's just like, why? <laughs> that, that, this is what really said, kind of sets it off for me as there's a magical component. Yes. Because it's just like total despondency and like the, the vitriol between the family and you know, the fact that they just didn't go get more, they couldn't go get more food. I mean, like being, being 100, it's possible that economically everything they have, like financially is tied into their, their stock in their store. Like, you know, a lot of small businesses kind of live hand to mouth like that. That's true. But like, you know, even still, like just the fact that there, there's, they're, they're wailing over the fact that they have no food, not the fact that they are ruined, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which, yeah, again, like either either there is a magic spell afoot making food the most important thing in the universe for everyone it touches, or these people are just genuinely fetishists and they are so horny for food they cannot think straight. I I choose to believe that Bandora was extremely mad at food when this monster was made and she used magic on it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things in this episode are horny. I'm fine with this not being one of them. (laughs) So we cut back to Mamoru and Boy, and Boy hit the Mickey D's drive-thru and got Mamoru a McDouble. Do you think he backflipped through it? (laughs) Probably. And it really, like, the bag is not a McDonald's bag, but this looks like a fucking McDouble. It's just a little smushed hamburger. And we saw the McDonald's sign in episode, what, fucking three? So. Yeah, something like that. This is a fucking McDouble. So, so boy, hit up the dollar menu for, for Mamoru and Mamoru thanks him and goes to take a bite and the burger just disappears from his hand. So Dora Cersei is here and apparently he runs faster than the human eye can see. And this just fucking breaks Mamoru emotionally. Like, he's just like, even you would steal my food, boy? Even you? And boy's just like, listen here, you little shit. First of all, you don't know me. Second of all, I did not take your McDouble. I just bought you that McDouble off the dollar menu. Like, think about this logically for a second. But Mamoru is past the point of thinking critically or at all. And he just sits down and just cries. Just like big, wet sobs. And boy is just like, what is going on? And then he stops. And he's just like, could it be? And we get a brief shot of Dora Cersei, who is behind a bush, just yummying down on this McDouble. Before we cut back to the secret underground dino shrine. And oh man, there is a lot to go over here. (laughs) So Boy is back. He's here. And all the other Z Rangers are gathered around. And Boy has an old ass musty 1980s rear projection TV VCR combo. 
And he's just like, guys, I recorded this in secret. And y'all, it is the inside of Mamaru's house. <laughs> this this 100% is a sex thing. It has to be. And I just really hope that it's Mamaru's mom or dad that boy is into. But he secretly recorded them eating lunch. There is no world in which this is not boy's kink. Uh, boy, boy, why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so we watched the footage of Mamaru's earlier family meal, and everyone is fucking mystified, which they should be, but they are not mystified that Boy was secretly recording these people eat, which is what should be their problem here, but by the slightly less mysterious disappearance of the food. Like, they are all, like, jaws on the floor shocked. And Geki, who is now quickly becoming the smart one apparent, is just like, roll the tape back, play it frame by frame. Because you can definitely do that on one of those TVs and VCRs. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could just hit pause really fast and, and pray. Uh, <laughs> pray, that's that's damn right. But going frame by frame, we can now see Dora Cersei, who is sneaking around stealing food like the motherfucking hamburger. And <laughs> so Goshi busts out his very large book. We are not done with the big Goshi book. That's like their book of knowledge. I guess. I, I guess. Goshi just has his big, big book. And he's like, Bandora must be trying to destroy all happy families, which. Oh, no, I skipped a I skipped a bullet point. <laughs> so, yeah, so get Goshi busts out his very big book and is like, I recognize this Dora monster. And he finds the page on the Cersei monster. And apparently this monster has existed and followed this exact modus operandi before. He showed up in ancient Greece, stole food from a king and his son, made them distrust each other until they brought their kingdom to ruin. And we get a very dramatic close-up on Geki, who's like, Bandora must be trying to destroy all the happy families! Which, like, that does sound like Bandora Geki, but thus far, all we've seen is her destroying one particular happy family that irritated her when she was feeling icky. But, I mean, I guess the rest of them could be following after. Goshi continues that the Cersei monster was destroyed using Helios's cattle, as mentioned in the Odyssey, which is a, a fairly deep actual historical cut for fucking Z Ranger. Uh, but specifically that there is an, an a holy herb moly, which was given by Hermes. And boys like, where do we get us some of that holy dank dank herb? <laughs> the rest of the episode's gonna be weed jokes, guys. I don't make the rules. That's just where we're at. You you could make the weed jokes. I I went to a very different interpretation of how that word is said. <laughs> I'm I'm making I'm making some harder drug jokes. Yeah, I mean that's fair, but like it's 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 a pun, right? It's holy moly. Okay, that that makes sense. I'm just sitting here like, what? Why are we going at Molly? What is Molly gonna do to this? <laughs> I mean, if anything, wouldn't Molly make it more hungry? Like, that's not helping. I mean, that gets so would, so with that dank dank herb, though. I don't know. <laughs> but May just starts shouting, and everyone gathers around the weird wall screen, which is up, where they see that Dora Cersei is done torturing Mamaru specifically. Uh, apparently, once his pants came down, that was that was all we needed. And he's moved on to stealing food from the whole town. And Geki's like, we gotta go stop him. So we see Dora Cersei, who's now going from restaurant to restaurant, leaving discord and conflict behind him. Like he goes in, he leaves, and suddenly like people are fighting at the door and plates are flying. Uh, before finally he declares that he's full and it's time for a nap nap. 
which is something that historically has gone super great for Bandora's monsters in the last two episodes. Uh, but he jumps up onto the roof of a building and the Z Rangers run up and they tell him that they'll stop him. So he jumps down to fight. And Dora Cersei immediately opens up this fight by just launching tornadoes out of his nostrils. The nose lasers right off the bat. Which we didn't see in the Power Rangers episode specifically because he's attacking the un... Yeah, we did. No, we didn't because he's attacking the unmorphed Z-Rangers here. They couldn't use this shot. They're unmorphed. No, that... It gets mixed with a shot that comes in a few moments. Does it? I, that's that's how they that's how they get into the kaleidoscope shit. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I just misremembered then, but still. Uh, so he launches tornadoes out of his nostrils, which I had forgotten he knew how to do, and blew me away. But it knocks all the rangers down, and Geki's just like, "We got a morph," and they go for their dino bucklers, and they transform. Geki calls him a good morph. It's no Jason. It's morphin time though, and it never will be. It, it's hard to compare with that. Uh, that level of strength and power in a voice no one has ever topped jason on it it's morphin time fucking fight me uh they they got it right the first time (laughs) so we get the morph fight and it is basically the exact same morph fight from food fight uh dora cersei starts sucking up their weapons and eating them this time without gratuitous fart sounds which i appreciated and with noticeably more violence involved like if i remember correctly at least in the power rangers episode he's just sucking their weapons all of them directly out of their hands but like in this episode like dan is stabbing him with his power spear uh and he just kind of twists around to get it in his mouth and eats it up same thing with with goshi and the axe uh, and then finally he gets the sword and he just yummies down on all their weapons and things are looking real grim for our rangers when suddenly dora cersei is getting battered by a hail of golf balls oh man with- this This broke me (laughs) just a little bit. Would you like to describe our golfing hero, Pat? Oh, man. Our our golfing hero coming down from what has to be 10 or 15 floors below where they're standing on the skyscraper. Yeah, he's on a rooftop, but it's a lower rooftop. Is, Is a fairly tall man, long white hair in... Your like stereotypical golfer hat, and with I'd say like a a three wood or something from the mid eighties, which means it's like ready to splinter at all times. And he's like he's got a fairly stereotypical golf getup, not quite your your super stereotype, but but like your dad at the golf course. He's- He's got the Argyle vest on, yes. <laughs> and he's just sitting here, winding up, smacking all these golf balls at, at Dora Cersei. And, and you immediately notice that he has a very long nose, and my mind went, oh no, oh no. Because there are a lot of unfortunate stereotypes associated with mythical characters with very long pointed noses for lots of very unfortunate reasons we're not going to get into. Thankfully, we managed to dodge all of that this time. He's wearing sunglasses, he has pointed elf-like ears, and a massive bushy mustache. And he is just clobbering what are now magically glowing golf balls at Dora Cersei. Uh, He gets two of them up his nose, he's not having a good time. And Dan points and is just like, who's the old man? Which is a really great question, Dan. 
To that, though, the old man just spins his golf club, which makes the whole world spin because apparently he's God. And now we get our magic kaleidoscope. We go to commercial, and when we come back, the Z Rangers land, unmorphed in some strange forest filled with giant mushrooms and insects. They found that holy moly good good herb, that dank herb. <laughs> and- We've got holy moly or molly and like shrooms and. We were literally just on an acid trip to get here. (laughs) Oh, man. And the old man appears. He's doing a merry jig on the porch of a cabin. And he says, fighting Cersei without a plan. You guys are so green. And Geki, understandably, is just like, who the hell are you? But the old man literally, the old man can't hear him because his earbuds are in. I didn't know that there were earbuds in fucking 1992. But here we are. He's got a Walkman or some shit. He takes out his earbuds and Geki asks him again and he says that he's gnome. So Power Rangers, take note. This is what a gnome looks like. And I mean, this isn't exactly what I think of when I think of like traditional high fantasy D&D gnome, but it's a hell of a lot closer than the nasty gnome was. This this is Gnome with a capital G. Gnome is his name. Gnome is his name. But I mean, at the same time, like that's been true of all the Dora monsters, too. I think that's just like a mythical creature thing for this show. And we just kind of roll with it. That's fair. So May's just like Gnome, the fairy that lives in the woods. And we are in some fairy ass woods right now, May. So, yeah, that seems pretty likely. But Dan's just like, no way, May. This dude isn't a fairy. <laughs> and Gnome picks a mushroom off a tree, squeezes it into a golf ball, and just beans Dan right in the head with it. Because fuck you, Dan, that's why. And I like Gnome already. He's maybe my favorite person in this episode. (laughs) Dan, you had your minute to shine. Now get the hell out of (laughs) here. So we find out that Gnome and Barza are old friends, and that's why Gnome is helping them. But he doesn't like them, and he thinks they have a shitty attitude. So he's, he's only so much on their side. And at this point, Geki puts together, wait, you're the guardian of the woods. That means you have the molly. You got that dank dank herb? And the rangers are like hype. They're just like, yeah, yeah, Geki, get us some herb. Especially Dan, who just gets all up in his face, like, give us the herb, old man. They want that good good. And honestly, the writer of this episode must have had him some of that good good holy moly. Because holy shit, this one is a trip. Gnome, however, just slaps Dan in the face and knocks him back into his friends and tells him that he won't be getting anything for free because Gnome is a natural born meanie. And if they want that dank dank, they have to beat him in a game. And they all in unison say a game. And Gnome like tenses his hands in front of his face and says, gourmet, gourmet, delicious gourmet. And he throws a hand out and a feast magically appears. Big table, chairs and just a huge spread of food. And the rangers come gather around and Gnome tells them, if you can finish it all, I'll give you that holy moly. And Boy says, that's easy. I was hungry anyway, which are famous ass last words if I have ever heard them. So Gnome goes, ready? Start! And our rangers just dive in as Gnome watches and strokes his mustaches and they just tear into this food. And this is still a sex thing, huh? Yeah, they're uh, they're definitely going into that that food porn. Gnome is just watching them so hard and just stroking his mustaches, and you can just practically hear him being like, "Yes, yes, now the chicken." <laughs> like, like he is one hundred percent saving this in his mental spank bank for later. 
And May is the first to tap out, but she's followed closely by Goshi and Geki, who specifically says even justice has its limits. So apparently Geki even eats for justice. And, and then finally Dan, who, who tells Boy that it's up to him now. But Boy is going strong, and Gnome appears genuinely more impressed than he is horny. <laughs> and Boy has his, like, Rocky montage training moment where he's like – eating like a fat ass and he's like i'm full and i'm nauseous but this is for mamaru i have to do it for fatso and we get at this point a flashback specifically of mamaru crying with his pants falling down which again it was a choice to do that to begin with it was a second choice to flashback to it again someone is getting off to this oh that's that was definitely a choice and it was uh We'll call it a questionable choice. <laughs> so boy eats and he eats until all that is left on this table is a single carrot, which is apparently kryptonite to boy, which I get it. I also fucking hate carrots, but he turns all the way around so he can't even see it and says that just looking at a carrot makes him dizzy and everybody just starts negging him like you have to eat it, boy. It's for Mamoru. How can you look at yourself if you don't eat this carrot and y'all like, y'all can just eat it. You were challenged collectively. Like, fucking Geki, eat the carrot for justice. Stop being mean to poor boy. For justice. Ultimately, however, boy faces his fear of carrot for his dear sweet Mamaru as Gnome watches and nods. And yeah, again, totally getting off here. <laughs> but he eats it. And he eats it like a freaking corn on the cob. He does. He eats it from the side. Not like a normal person eats a carrot. It's strange, but he gets through it. And he collapses onto the ground. And Geki jumps up, like triumphantly pumps his fist and is like, we did it, gnome! And he looks down and there's a new carrot on the plate. And they all collapse in horror and disgust because they've lost. There's more food here. And at this point, Gnome transforms, I presume, into, like, his true, like, forest fairy form. Uh, the ears and the mustache and the nose stay, but he gets rid of all the dad clothes, and he's, like, in, like, fantasy elf robes. He's a freaking wizard. He's, he's, a, he's fucking Elrond, is what he is. Uh, but he tells them not to despair, to look at the table carefully, and that carrot transforms into that dank, dank herb. I mean, it's it's a root. Yeah, yeah, I mean, again, it looks like a radish. Like, Power Rangers had it right, but it is, it's our holy moly. Uh, and Gnome tells Boy specifically that he did well, and, and that Gnome was moved by his passion and determination to help a child. And he tells him to get back to the battleground and get Dora Cersei to eat that moly. So, we cut to commercial. And we come back on a city in chaos. There are police cars with lights and sirens everywhere going down the street. And karate men armed with swords are roaming and yelling for whatever monster is taking all the food to give it back. So again, this doesn't seem to be a case where just Mamaru's family is obsessed with food and freaking out. Like, the urgency of the situation is being magnified by magic, likely. Um, and we see Dora Cersei, who is hiding in industrial equipment and contentedly saying that he's finally full. And as soon as he says he's full, we hear a voice say, hey, Dora Cersei, we have something yummy. And he immediately forgets about being full and goes running looking for that yummy thing. And at this point, we get the shot of the ZU Rangers all morphed up in scaffolding with their comically oversized food, including that big, big sushi. And they call out like it is their roll call. Sandwich, shortcake, sushi, steak, and hamburger steak. 
And they ask Dora Cersei if he wants them. And and they throw the food down because, spoilers, Dora Cersei wants them. Boy hides the holy moly in the sandwich and tosses it down. Dora Cersei eats it and explodes in vomit, including vomiting out their weapons. He goes hollow. And, and like up until this, it's like, yeah, like this is this is what happened in Food Fight. Very good. Like very great. Makes sense in context. But we cut up to Bandora immediately to the moon and bandora is just like dora cersei's in trouble i better make him big and i started freaking out i was like oh are we gonna get a fucking zord fight did power rangers cut a whole ass zord fight from this episode but you guys bandora can't muster the energy to throw her staff she's too tired and weak from now fasting and dieting trying to lose the weight that she gained from pigging out she's too hungry to do anything and so she watches powerless as the rangers call for the howling cannon, do the howling blast, and blow up Dora Cersei. Which I thought was a really good way to end this particular monster plot. Like, it was choice. It was excellent. I, I thought it was really cool. Like, it, I enjoyed it a lot. Like, I was very uh, concerned also when we cut up to Van Doren. I was like, ah, I, need to, I need to make him big. I was like, oh, did something entirely different happen? And it's like, nah, she just, she's just too hungry. <laughs> And I thought that was, you know, it was a good contrast between the beginning and end of the episode. Yeah. And like, again, I feel like this episode is moralizing a little bit on like weight and diet. Um, and in a way that is not like super body positive by 2020 standards. But at the same time, this was 1992 in Japan. And, and like not to throw around stereotypes, but like every Asian person I have ever known has said that Asian culture is a little bit more blunt when it comes to topics of weight. So, you know, allowances are to be had here. Um, but like, it is kind of cool that they tied Bandora into that. Like she fucked up in the beginning by eating too much, but then she fucked up in the end by dieting too hard. Um, and, and so like, again, like at least it's giving the, the lesson that balance is key, which it absolutely is. So good for you, Z Ranger. Dora Cersei explodes. Boy, like, thanks old man gnome in the sky, uh, because that's where mythical creatures look down on our rangers is in the, in the clouds. And we cut back to the grocery, which is once again full of food. Apparently, Mamaru's dad got a small business loan to rebuy all his inventory or he was insured or something. And customers leave and, and thank the grocer as we see the out to lunch sign go up. Uh, we cut to the back where Mamaru's family is set settling in for a meal. For them and for the Z Rangers who are in their very small home, just kind of crammed in there. The dad calls for the Rangers to come sit down. And apparently they are all still very full from Gnome's Forest. Like this has to be like the next day for them to have restocked their grocery at the soonest. And these guys are still like, we don't want to look at that much food ever again. <laughs> no one wants to go eat food. No one. Uh, and Mamaru's mom comes over. With a giant ass carrot and is like, come on, boy, since we have a grocery, we have excellent carrots. Come try one. And boy just straight passes out, <laughs> like just goes unconscious. <laughs> so the Rangers pick up boy and just run away from this family as they chase them, trying to push food on them. And that's our episode. We roll to credits on that very silly ending note. Well, boy wakes up and they throw boy off his off their shoulders. They do. At the very, very end, boy wakes up and they just throw him and run. <laughs> <laughs> like it freeze frames on boy midair <laughs> so pat final thoughts on this episode uh final thoughts on the episode itself it was enjoyable i liked watching it i liked the like the way it was presented 
there are some very odd choices made within the episode itself. <laughs> Look, I'm not here to yuck anybody's yums, but this one made me feel weird and dirty in ways that I was not prepared to feel about Super Sentai. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was I was not expecting to be sitting down and making hard drug jokes in my head. Not what I was expecting out of this episode. Yep, they made some choices. <laughs> this one was ab- was more bananas than I ever dreamed that it would be. I-, I do think that what I said last episode holds true for me here as well. This is a genuinely good and fun filler episode, but Power Rangers does this style of episode better in general, I think, and this one just does not hold a candle to Food Fight. Food Fight is just a better filler episode. It, it Again, it's maybe the perfect filler episode, so that's not really a criticism here so much as a statement. I do actually think that this episode, despite being clearly filler, was really important for continuing to flesh out, like, the, the setting, the world of Z Ranger, in that, like, we established in this episode, there are powerful magical beings in this world that don't bat for either team, that are not loyal to Bandora or the Z Rangers and the, and the guardian beasts. Uh, like Gnome is friends with Barza and he did help them out, but like that loyalty only took him so far. And he was very clear. And like, I don't like you Z Rangers and I'm only helping you because you're friends with my friend. Uh, he's not necessarily their ally, at least not to start with. And that's like a really interesting dynamic. And, and again, for me, at least it helps make this setting feel compelling. Yeah. I, I totally get that. That like Gnome was an interesting character. And I liked, like, his motivation and and stuff around him. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's good to know, A, that Barza has some friends that are in the mystic area. And it's nice to see them be like, all right, I'm going to help you guys out. But it's also cool to see that they have their own, like, volition. Like, they, they, it has to be of their own choice. It's not a, I'm compelled to do this because you're good. It's, I'm going to help you because you're friends with my friends. But I don't like you. And I'm not going to make it easy for you. Man, I I really want more Barza, y'all. Like, we've gotten almost no Barza, and almost everything we've gotten of him, I've really liked. Like, it seems like we can't get Zordon to shut the fuck up half the time. I just want, I want more Barza. I want Barza to do more, instead of just being in the background more. I, I feel like Barza should be essentially what the book is. Like, you know, Goshi's book? Yeah, yeah. He should be the the wise, like, spiritual leader. Instead, he's busy watering his plants and singing creepy songs at little girls. I, uh, yeah. Ugh. Make Barza magical again, please. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to be our episode for today. Um, as always, we want to hear from you guys. Be sure to email the show. You can send those to BandoraPod at gmail.com or find us on social media at BandoraPod. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcatcher of choice. It is really helpful in helping us to establish our audience. We are new and just getting our feet under the ground. And the quicker we find... The dope people who like the dope shit that me and Pat and hopefully you enjoy, um, the better off we'll all be. So be sure to do those things. Uh, if you have a moment to spare, we really, really appreciate that little bit of extra effort. Now, as always, if you are motivated to, if you would like to, you can follow me personally at BBRJolly on Twitter. And you can follow me at PokerRangerPat on Twitter and on Twitch. And we will be right back here on Tuesday, kicking off Another week of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back on our bullshit with episode seven, 
big sisters. And we have gotten a lot of Kimberly and Trini episodes in our very short period of time in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But Kimberly is maybe the best actress on the show, so I don't super mind that, and I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to go back, too. It'll be nice. Yeah, it'll be good times. Uh, But that's going to be it for us today, guys. As always, I have been Steven. And I'm Pat. And we have to go, because we have a headache! Somebody bring me a